0: Everybody joining us at all of our physical campuses, as well as those of you joining us online at uh, TPO. So glad to have you wherever you may be joining us from. And, uh, It's been a few weeks uh, since I've said this, so I just want to reiterate it. I want to speak primarily to our online crowd, uh, especially if you are in the Indianapolis area. I know that uh, maybe many of you are unable to join us physically for any number of reasons. Uh, You might be in a high-risk category. You might be caring for somebody in a high-risk category. Maybe you're just not yet comfortable uh, being around uh, groups of people just yet. And I just want you to know that uh, we love you, we support you, we understand. And I also just want to say this. Uh, we miss you. We miss you. And uh, I know that uh, in this uh, season that we are in, um, we need to be reminded more than ever of just the importance of human interaction and connection. And so while maybe you're not yet comfortable being physically in the room with other people, uh, I just uh, want you to know that um, I don't want you to disengage. I don't want you to push back from the table I want you to uh, stay connected to others so that you can continue to be encouraged and to grow. Uh, I don't just like say that because I think that might be happening. I know it's happening. I've had uh, several uh, DMs and emails from people here recently that have just confessed to me. They've just said, you know what? Uh, Like last week's message was the first one I've tuned into in a really long time. And I've actually started to find myself disengaging uh, and I get it, Uh, we're all under a lot of stress Um, Things are emotional right now, a lot of anxiety, even depression. And so one of the responses to that can be to isolate, to just sort of push away. And I just want to encourage you. We're working really hard on uh, all of the digital capabilities, not just so that you can tune in, but so that you can engage. But you know what? That also goes for those of you that are in the room, too, is that I don't want you just to, to show up and to just kind of take in a service and leave. Now more than ever, we need each other. Would you not agree with that? We need each other. And uh, I know that uh, this has been another emotionally exhausting week as we've just seen one of the most divisive and emotionally charged elections in any of our lifetimes. And uh, I I just want to draw our eyes upward and remind you of something that is written in Daniel chapter four. It says that God rules over the kingdoms of men. He gives them to whoever he chooses. And God is in control. All right, he is sovereign. And uh, right now, uh, whether you are, um, as the results of the election have come in, whether you are full of hope or whether you are at a loss of hope, can I just say that that is misplaced hope and that our hope is in Jesus and in him alone. We trust that he is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. And uh, I can't think of a a better passage to study today than the one that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 6. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you can go ahead and get there. Just to um, recap and catch you up where we are, we are uh, in a series of messages where we are studying the gospel of Luke. And uh, Luke is one of the four books that begin our New Testaments. Many of you know this. uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are... um, handwritten accounts written by four different individuals to four different groups of people so that we might come to know and understand Jesus better. And uh, Matthew writes primarily with the Jewish people in mind. Mark writes for the Gentiles in mind. John writes for those that are brand new to faith. But Luke writes for a friend. And he has a person, a single person in mind. And he He spells that out in the first few verses of his gospel where he says, I've taken the time to write out a well-ordered account, Theophilus, so that you might come to believe. And I don't know a whole lot about Theophilus, but, but I know enough. I know enough to know that he was unsettled in his spirit. I know enough to know that he was struggling and that he had some questions that he didn't have answers to. And Luke takes the time to say, let me just kind of spell this out for you. This is where your hope can be found. And so we began this study back in August and we just uh, called it settled in spirit because all of us are unsettled right now as we journey through this season. But now in this second section of our study, we're just calling it strengthened in spirit because there's a lot of things that we can't control right now going on in our world. But one thing that we do have a say in is just what it is that God is calling each one of us to do. And I wanna finish this year strong. Is anybody with me in that? I I can't control all the stuff going on around, but I can make some personal decisions for my life to say, this is where my head and my heart are gonna be. And I wanna finish in a strong way. And today as we come to just a few verses in Luke chapter six, Jesus is going to tell us what we already know and we don't necessarily like to hear it, but it's true is that um, storms in life are just simply inevitable and you can't dodge them and you can't outrun them. You've got to weather them. About uh, 10 years ago, uh, my hometown in Joplin, Missouri got hit by a massive tornado. Uh, Some of you might recall this from the news. Um, There was a a tornado. it It was a mile wide. Now, get that in your head, a tornado that was a mile wide in circumference. It was rain wrapped so you couldn't see it and it went straight through the middle of my hometown uh, causing destruction for 13 miles and we actually took uh, several different uh, groups, teams of people from the church back to just do some cleanup a few days after that tornado rolled through and It was surreal. If any of you have ever had a tornado strike your hometown and it caused significant damage, you'll know what I'm talking about. I didn't even recognize the place I grew up. All the landmarks were gone. Like buildings that I had always known to be there, trees that had been there for a hundred years, they were gone. I could see from one edge of town to the other. I'd never been able to do that before. And it was a very surreal experience because we were in one neighborhood helping to clean up. And at one point I took a break and I did something without thinking. I just reached into my back pocket to check and see if my passport was still there. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't need a passport. I'm in Missouri. And I realized, I thought for a split second that I was in a third world country. Like that's how strange the environment was around me. And that tornado, that storm has left a mark on the psyche of people in my hometown because we still have friends and family that live there. And every time uh, dark clouds roll in, people get nervous. And storm shelters are big business. They didn't used to be. And now it's not uncommon to go into somebody's garage and you see a a storm shelter, like a concrete box that they bought and they bolted into the floor because they want to be ready for the next storm because they know that storms are inevitable. Jesus actually says this in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you are going to have trouble. You will have trouble, not if, but you will. But then he says right after that, but I want you to take heart. I want you to be filled with hope because I have overcome the world. What I want you to know today is what you already know to be true is that we are in a storm and storms are coming. Storms are inevitable but oftentimes storms in, in, a, in an unusual way can be a gift because they are the very things that anchor us to the stuff that we never should have been disconnected from to begin with. See, I want you to understand this important principle as we, as we get ready to jump into this passage. The best time to prepare for a storm is before it hits. Like if you wait until you're in the middle of a storm to try to build a storm shelter, it's going to be incredibly difficult. So if there's one thing that 2020 has taught us, it's to be prepared for the storms that are going to roll into our lives into the future. And so we prepare for those storms by the daily decisions that we make in every category of our lives. And so... Um, You do the things you know you need to do financially to create enough margins so that when the storm hits financially, and it will, you can weather it. You do the types of things in your marriage. You make investments into that relationship. So when the storm hits, and it will, that you can absorb that. You make the types of decisions in your own uh, spiritual decisions, your own daily disciplines, so that when you go through a really difficult stretch, and it's gonna come, You actually have the margin to deal with it and to grow through it. See, COVID, unfortunately, has just revealed more of who you already were. And I don't like that statement because I know it's true for me. And I've tried to be very candid with you. I've, I've not tried to get up here and pretend to be feeling something that I'm not. I've tried to express to you the reality of how I've felt over the last seven months and yet at the same time being anchored to the hope that is found in Jesus. And I gotta tell you that this season has revealed some things to me that I've um, been proud of. And then it's revealed some things that I haven't been proud of. I would say this is true for uh, organizations. I can't speak for you and maybe the, the market that you are in, I'm sure that you have a great deal of expertise and what, what is happening uh, during this season. I can speak to, to the church because I've been uh, talking with and meeting with leaders all over the country, even around the world. I was just on the phone uh, with a pastor friend of mine in Germany, just asking him what they are going through. It's very, very similar globally. And I would just simply say that what this season has done is if a church or an organization was already healthy and on mission, it's, the crisis has just accelerated that and they're continuing to be healthy and on mission. But unfortunately, if they weren't, it's also accelerated the unhealth. In fact, we're, we're estimating, we don't know for sure, but we're estimating that by the time this is all said and done, that there'll be roughly 20 to 30% of churches in the United States that'll close their doors for the last time because it's just accelerated the direction that many were already headed. Can I, can I just simply say the same is true personally? The same is true personally. And now is a, a wake up call for us to maybe make some adjustments that, that maybe this pandemic has actually been a gift. That God is saying, hey, I've been, I've been knocking on the door of your heart and you haven't been listening. And, and so now I've got a megaphone. C.S. Lewis said the, that pain is the megaphone of God to arouse a sleeping world. And so right now we can make some adjustments and someone needs to hear this today that even though you're maybe walking through an incredibly difficult time and there's so much anxiety and so much uncertainty and so much stress can I just simply say we we can be real about all that and at the same time please don't despair please don't lose hope that we will come through this and out of it and that God has a plan for this. And I I can say it confidently, not because I know the future, but because I know the God of the future. And God's word promises we'll come through this. And history actually shows that we come through this. And every now and then, we just need to tune down the noise of all the, the talking heads and the voices that are constantly inundating us through our devices. And we need to listen to what God is trying to say. Because he's trying to speak. And we just look at history and we see this. This is just a simple statement we don't hear enough of. Throughout history, did you know 100% of pandemics and plagues end? Did you know that? There has never been a pandemic in history that's gone on and on and on and on. They end usually in about 18 to 24 months. So if history is any indicator, we're about halfway through. And uh, we've got better you know, therapeutics and medicines now. Did you know that this is not unprecedented? This is a picture from the Spanish flu 100 years ago. There's a group of people, This it's a real picture in Northern California. You got masks, notice her sign, wear a mask or go to jail. I don't know, something tells me this has been contentious before. (laughs) And yet, I don't know about you, but uh, I've never worn a mask in my life until now. And so we'll come through it, we'll come out of it. When you're in the middle of a trial, it feels like it's never going to end. And that's a recipe for despair. And God says, no, 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 you hold on to hope. But see, this is what we're reminded of as I mentioned to you Daniel chapter 4 just a minute ago that God rules and reigns over earthly kings and kingdoms. God is in control in a world that seems so out of control. And maybe we were addicted to control. And God says, I'm gonna pry your hands off that steering wheel. And I'm gonna actually put you in a place where you might even be forced to really lean on me like you never have before. So in the meantime as we are waiting for God to work out what he's doing in this world, can I just simply ask you this question? And this is for you, to, you and you alone to answer. What are you going to look like on the other side? How do you want to come through this? What, what, what do you want your life to look like? And even though it's not ideal to start building a shelter when you're in the middle of the storm, it is... Never too late to start building well. And that's what Jesus is going to communicate in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like, so this is an analogy that he's using. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When, not if, the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. One of the things that this year has revealed to many of us, quite possibly, is that our foundation was on, wasn't on solid rock. And we've gotten blown all around. And Jesus is simply saying, here's how you storm proof your life. Here's how you stand secure. Is that you don't just say with your lips. Jesus is Lord, you actually hear what he says through his word and by way of his spirit and you apply it. And when you apply it, even if it's just one thing, even if it's just one baby step, he says that is contributing to the rock solid foundation of your life. So that way when the next storm rolls around and it will, you can stand firm. So regardless of who is teaching from this platform, We've just sort of gotten this into our mentality. As we talk about delivering messages up here, we just ask these like three questions. We're like, hey, we're not ready to preach or teach until these three questions are answered. And the first one, and I just want you to know this, is that it's like, what do I want you to to know? And so when we get up here, primarily we are taking a passage of scripture, anywhere from maybe three to 15 verses of God's word. And we're saying, we're going to make sure that is thoroughly unpacked as best as we can. Here's the information we want you to know. But it's not just what you know. The next question is, what do I want you to feel? Until I get you to feel it, you're probably not going to do anything with it. That's the language of the heart. That's story. That's emotion. It's that thing that stirs who you are. But then the third question is so important. What do I want you to do? That's application. What's the step you can take? Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or three minutes, you can say, here's the next step that I need to take. Because it's this process right here. It's we wanna explain God's word, it's explanation, it's application. We wanna illustrate the application that always leads to life transformation. And it is one small baby step at a time. It's sort of like building a foundation just one stone at a time. And then Jesus goes on in verse 49 and he says, but anyone who hears and then doesn't obey, doesn't apply, is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So I want you to get the picture in your head. You've got two builders, two houses, two houses, Probably a lot of the, the same types of um, uh, supplies that are going into it, they probably look very, very similar. At a distance, they don't look any different. But you get up close and you do some examination. You see that one is at high risk of collapsing in a storm because there is no foundation. And can I just say that a foundation of a house just is so oftentimes overlooked. I mean, I've been over to a lot of people's houses for a meal or to visit with them. I've been over to a lot of people's houses that I've admired. Never once can I honestly say, as I was walking down the sidewalk, that is a great looking foundation. Like that's just the part of the house I don't look at. Like I look at the paint, I'll look at the shutters, I'll look at the design, French farmhouse, mid-century, modern, whatever. Like you we just admire all that stuff. Doesn't really matter if a storm hits it and the foundation isn't good, it's gone. And the same thing is true for all of our lives. At a distance, On the surface, we might look like we've got it together. We might look like we're doing okay. But how's the foundation? And only you can assess that fully. Only you know yourself better than anyone. How's your foundation? And can it withstand the storms of life? Are you cutting corners? Are you overlooking some things you know you need to pay attention to? A couple years ago, I was in our basement at home on a Saturday, we, we have an unfinished basement and one of the uh, pipes that are pre-plumbed for one day when we will finish our basement, um, uh, it started, water started to come out of the top of it. Now, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that's not good. And so I called the plumber that they come out later that day. It was January, it was, January. Uh, it was uh, really, really cold out. And uh, they go out in the backyard, we have a septic tank, and um, he opens up the clean-out pipe, it's full of sewage. Once again, I'm not super brilliant, but I know that's not good. And he said, well, let me kind of snake it and see if there's anything clogging it. So he snakes it, unclogs it all, kind of goes down a little bit, but he said, this isn't working right. He goes, "You, you may need to have your septic tank pumped to see what's going on. And so I uh, called uh, that company the next day. They came out, they, they pumped our septic tank and the guy came up to me and he goes, hey, you got a major problem, which once again is not usually what you want to hear uh, when it comes to septic tanks. And he pulled me over and uh, took a flashlight and showed me inside, this, our septic tank's just a big concrete box. And there was a giant crack from the top all the way down to the bottom. And it was starting to crumble. And within the next 48 hours, Uh, because he had pumped it all the way down, it started to collapse. And so our septic tank collapsed. That was a fun day. And uh, just kind of creates this like sinkhole in the backyard. And we called the company and haggled with them for a little bit. And they finally said, well, yeah, we'll we'll pour another one and get it out to you. It'll be two months though. Uh, That septic tank worked. I don't know how, but it did. Like just this big giant hole, but we had to put like this yellow tape around it so our kids didn't fall into it. And uh, we asked the company, like, what happened? What went wrong? And at some point in production of the original one that we had, they, they didn't put enough rebar in it. And so the concrete, just, it just cracked. It just crumbled. Now, how are you going to know? Like, I mean, we were there the day they installed it. It looked good. It looked solid. But the inner workings of it were weak. Can I just say that what Jesus is talking about here is the rebar of your soul? It's these daily decisions that we make that on the, on the surface, we, we look good, we're fine, we're in church, we're, we're doing okay. How's it really going? How's, how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing emotionally? What's really going on inside? And many of us, if we're not careful, and especially in a season of crisis, we neglect the things that we know we need to be doing to gird up our faith and to strengthen ourselves spiritually, or it's misplaced. We start looking at all the things going on around the world and we're desperately looking for hope. We're desperately looking for the things that will calm our spirits. And all along, Jesus is saying, it's not found in a Hail Mary. It's found in the daily decisions you make on a regular basis. Jesus is driving down on two very simple principles in this passage. Number one, I've already said it, storms are inevitable. Stop trying to outrun them and stand in them. With the strength that only Jesus can provide. Here's the second thing. It is not just what you know. It's what you do with what you know that makes all the difference. Which is why we can have baby Christians that have been attending church for life. And you've been, follow, you've been believing in Jesus for 30 years. But have you been following him? That's a different question. And so Jesus is simply saying, hey, listen, this is not as hard as what... You might make it out to be. Just take a very simple thing that I'm trying to say to you today and just apply it into your life. You just take one step in front of the other. Spiritual growth is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is one right decision after another. And this is not neutral. Your spiritual growth is not passive. You will not fall into growth. You will not stumble into it. You have to make intentional decisions to do it. Now, why don't we? Once again, I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. And that oftentimes what the things that I know I need to do, I, I, I don't do it for any number of reasons. And I want to show you this little continuum here. This is actually something that I've not, I I shared it first service today. I've not shared it with anybody else. Usually when I want to like teach a principle, I'll run it past a few individuals first to see if it's sound. And then I share it with all of you. But today I just decided to share it with all of you and see what happens. All right. So if this doesn't make sense, I'll stop talking about it. But I think that uh, for at least in my mind, this is what I've just been thinking about is that oftentimes what keeps me from growing is this continuum between insecurity and arrogance. And can I just tell you, I'm both and you probably are too. There there are times in my life where I'm incredibly insecure about things and times in my life when I am too arrogant about things and both stifles my spiritual growth. And here's why. Here's maybe another way to say it. It's the continuum between being unsure and too sure. And when you are unsure of yourself, when you are unsure of where you stand with God, when you are unsure about your strengths and your weaknesses, what ends up happening is it leads to apprehension. So you don't do the things you know you need to do. But if you are too sure of yourself, that leads to apathy. You're like, I'm good. I don't need to do that. I think that I'm okay. And both paralyzes your personal and spiritual growth. This last week, I was with a group of leaders and somebody just spoke some words into my life that I really, really needed to hear. He said, you know, Aaron, if you're gonna continue to be an effective leader, you gotta strike that balance between being sure of yourself without getting full of yourself. Just because you get a few victories under your belt doesn't mean that's you. And so you've got to redirect your identity. You've got to place it in someone outside of of you, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to ground your identity in him and what he alone has done for you. See, your personal and spiritual growth has to be intentional. You're not just going to fall into it and you can't do it alone, which brings me back to one of the first statements out of my mouth today. Please don't disengage Please don't isolate yourself from others. Even though we may not be able to be physically uh, in proximity like we would like to be, doesn't mean you need to emotionally distance yourself or spiritually distance yourself. We need other people to grow. You need other people speaking into your life. Now listen, not everybody needs to speak into your life, but somebody does. And it all begins when we just raise up our hand and say, I need help. You need help? How you doing? Back at the beginning of the pandemic in March, I mean, like all of us, that was crazy. And it was surreal. And I remember it was like every day, like I was like in a full-on fist fight, like every, not, not literally, but emotionally and spiritually, like I was like fighting for my life. I was like, I, I don't know, I don't know what decision to make next. And I don't know what to, how to translate all this information. And, And I was stressed and I was anxious. I wasn't sleeping very well. My neck hurt all the time. And many of you know this, that I'm accountable to a group of individuals here at the church called our elders, our eldership. And simplest way that I can explain who they are and what they do is that they pastor me so I can pastor you. And they came over and got around me and they said, hey, we're concerned for you. Like we want you to stay healthy emotionally and spiritually. So we will pay for you to get counseling. Find a good therapist. Find a good counselor. Start meeting with them regularly. Unpacking what you're going through. And so I did. And I am not ashamed to tell you. Like I've been in counseling uh, regularly for the last seven months. Don't have any plans to stop because I kind of like it. And, uh, and then we've said to our whole staff like we'll pay for you and your spouse to get counseling because we need you to stay healthy. Like we we need you to be emotionally and spiritually on your game because this is a battle that we're in. And if you are too proud to go, here's what I would say: like uh, counseling before you're in a crisis, it's called preventative maintenance. Oftentimes, there's people that come into my office and they're like, "Can you fix this?" It's like, well, you've been neglecting that for years. I don't know that I can resurrect that. And so, don't be too proud. Go, reach out, talk to somebody. We, we all need help to take those next steps to make sure that we are, are healthy. See, I want you to understand something. So much of my job here is just to remind you of what I think you already know. It's just that we forget, is that you are a whole person, both spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so this is the dashboard of your life. And God created you this way. And so when you look at how you're doing, you got to look at these three gauges and you got to honestly ask yourself these questions on a weekly, if not daily basis. And you need to let somebody in your life that will speak into you as well. And just to simply say, how am I doing spiritually? So how are you doing and just be honest. You don't get yourself, you don't, you don't help yourself in any way by being dishonest about that. I know we wanna be dishonest at times, especially if we don't like the answer, but just be honest. How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing physically? See, if you're not doing good in one of these three areas, then you're not ready to weather the storm. And actually, the other side is true too. If you focus on any one of these at the expense of the others, then you get out of balance and you're not ready to face the storm. Here's what I mean. Some of us, we're all about the spiritual, but we neglect the emotional and the physical. And so it's just all up here. And and so we, we don't have a very high EQ. We burn our relationships to the ground. We're somewhat legalistic. We're mean, we're judgmental. Some of us, we're all about the emotional. And so we know all about the Enneagram. Oh man, we, we know all about the strength finders, right? We know if we're a thinker or a feeler, but we're not doing very good here or here. Leads to an out of imbalance. Some of us, we're just addicted to the gym. And that's, that's art there. Oh, I don't have a counselor, but I have d- bun- dumbbells. And uh, it's just like, We're we're all about that. And I I love physical activity and you need it. It's good for your endorphins. But listen, you you can't neglect the emotional or the spiritual. You get the idea. You just look at that dashboard. And on a regular basis, you got to ask yourself, how am I doing? And what steps do I need to take? Because all three of those things go into building a solid foundation. Why? Because God created you that way. That's how he made you. And so we may not be in control of much right now. And that's what 2020 has shown us. But what a perfect opportunity to say, you know what, now is the season where I'm gonna start building a solid foundation. And Jesus says, the way you do it is you listen to what I have to say and then you apply it. So let me give you four questions as we wrap up today. And you can take a screenshot of this. You can write it down. I want you to give some thought to it, talk about it with others. Here's the first question. What is God saying to me? That's just where you begin. Can I just tell you, that God is speaking on a daily basis into your life. And that is a promise. The question is, am I listening? That might mean you need to get off social media for a while. Not because we're uh, uh, trying to hate on social media, but because there's too much noise. And you're reading everybody else's perspective. You open up your phone, you just automatically flip open a social media app and you just start scrolling and all of that is dead time. You're like, I don't have time to pray, but I'm scrolling. And we start hearing all this commentary and it starts, it starts feeding stuff. I mean, maybe just for a time, you just need to fast from it. And you just shut it down and you need to see everybody else needs to be quiet right now so I can listen to the voice of God. What is he saying? And God is speaking. Right now, he, he speaks primarily through his word. He, he speaks through the voices of trusted people in your life. God speaks through nature. Can I just say that yesterday was amazing? I mean, wasn't yesterday amazing, the weather? It's like, man, uh, I just really think that was a gift of God. He's like, you guys have had such a hard year. Here you go, right? Just, we just enjoyed that, God, God speaks. But then here's the next question, is what do I need to do with what he's saying to me? What, what do I need to do right now? And I don't want you to get hung up on this because I think oftentimes we, we look at the long game and God's like, no, 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 just look at the short game. What, what are just the one or two steps right in front of you that you need to take? Like, what, what do you need to do like right now, today, this week in your finances, just to create a little bit of margin and to honor God with it? What do you need to do? Like what right now, what's one thing you can do in your marriage to enrich that and to deepen it? Because maybe the two of you have been doing this and God just simply wants you to make a decision where you do this. What's the one thing you need to do uh, to, to just work on uh, your, your spiritual growth or your emotional health? What do I need to do right now? Make it simple, make it tangible, make it clear. Here's the third question. And this is what often makes or breaks us. When am I gonna do it? When am I gonna do it? And I know there's maybe a number of you that share my spiritual gift of procrastination, but it doesn't get us anywhere, right? We just, we know what we need to do, but we've known it for years. And so we just keep kicking the can down the road. One of the best things you can do is say, this is what God's saying. This is what I need to do. And I'm gonna put a date on it and then share it with someone. And oftentimes, whenever I will go to a, just a trusted friend, say, I really feel like God's calling me to do this and I don't really wanna do it. I'm not looking forward to it, but I know I need to do it. And I'm gonna do it by next Monday. So can you please call me and ask me if I did it? And I just don't answer their call, but, uh, but I... But I feel convicted, you know, I'm reminded. And that'll help you to stay on track. Here's the fourth question. What is my next step? And it's a step. Did you know the most common analogy in the Bible for spiritual growth is walking? It's not sprinting. It's not pole vaulting. It's not the backstroke or it's not anything super technical. It is just a walk. And I think that's for a reason because God just wants you to take your next step. It is so much better than just standing still and saying, when I'm ready to sprint, then I'll sprint. Likely you never will. But if you start walking, it's amazing how much ground you'll cover. And I think that when you're caught in a bind and you don't know what to do and you're in a crisis, the best thing that you can ask of yourself is what is the next best thing that I can do? What is the step that is right in front of me that I need to take? God, would you please make that clear? So this last week, I uh, was out in uh, Colorado Springs for a couple of days uh, with some other leaders from all over the country uh, in just what's called a leadership cohort. And so we just got together and we're talking leadership and principles and encouraging each other and praying together. And on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., eight of us, we went out to hike this, which is the Manitou Incline in Colorado Springs. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. I've actually never heard of it before. Um, But um, it is a... Uh, one mile hike on these like little railroad tie things. And you kind of see it, where it travels all the way up to the very top. And actually this is a false summit. You actually get up there and you see you got more to go, which was fun. And the Manitou Incline is, it, it's an, uh, an elevation of about 2000 feet in less than a mile. A grade of about 60 to 68% in some places. i got another image of it from, About three-fourths of the way up, if we could go to that next slide. So this is it right here. This is all the ground that we had covered. We're about three-fourths of the way through. Now, can I tell you that our group of eight all started off together and then quickly we started to put distance between ourselves. Some of us were overachievers and they were leading the pack. and Some of us were coming down the rear of the pack and some of us were in the middle. I won't tell you where I was. And... uh, and we sort of spread out and, and uh, we were huffing and because your elevation and your lungs are burning and your calves are burning and your quads are burning. And it was like the Stairmaster that never ended. And there were multiple times when I would stop and I would just be like, man, this was a stupid idea. And. And, and I'm like looking behind to kind of see how far I'd come. And I'm looking up to see how far I had to go. And it was almost just crushing to my soul. Because I was just like, is there a trolley? Like, can, is there a cable car? Can we go the like, elevator somewhere? going to get me up there? And, and, and it, there were a few moments. And, I, and I, honestly, it was more mental than physical. And it was as if the spirit, and I got, I was all by myself at one point. Actually, this is one of the guys in our group. We were just all distanced. And it was just this thing where the spirit of God was like, Aaron, this is a lot like 2020. And I'm just like, I just wanted to end. He's like, I know you do. Well, how do I get up there? Just take your next step. And if I got too overwhelmed thinking about how far I had to go, I probably would have just sat down and been done with it. But I stopped looking up there and I started just looking right there. And I started just counting it down. I was just like, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And I just started eating away at it little by little by little. And the group of us, as we're going up, the guys up front would turn around. Hey, you guys got this. Come on, keep going. You can do it. And it it, it was at times it was their encouragement that kept me going until we were all able to reach the summit together. I just so desperately want to encourage you today to keep walking. And we look at the, summit. We think, look how far we have to go and when's this going to end and where's God at and what's happening in the world. And can I just tell you, stop, stop looking at how far you have to go and just start looking at the few steps in front of you and just take your next step. So before we end our time together today, in the quietness of the moment, could you just simply ask God, God, what is my next step? And would you give me the courage and the strength to take it? And for some of you, that next step is something financial. Some of you, that next step is your marriage. It's your relationships. Some of you, that next step is your emotional health. Some of you are like, you know what? Okay, I cry uncle, I need to get some counseling. Well, counseling didn't work. Well, okay, I'll find a different counselor because I can't do this on my own. And I just want you to keep walking and keep taking a step and know that you got friends and family. We might be a little bit distant right now from each other physically, but not emotionally and spiritually. Man, you keep going. You keep going because eventually you'll turn around and see how far God has brought you. Maybe today, your next step is to just simply reach out and say, I wanna know more about what it means to follow Jesus. Oh man, and if that's the case, you just simply text Jesus to 87221. And fellow climbers would love to come around you and help you take that next step. Hey, would you stand to your feet in all of our locations, if you're comfortable at home, standing to your feet, just in solidarity and unity with the rest of your church family. And let me pray. Lord God, we come to you right now. Thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and forgive us when we forget that you are sovereign over the kingdoms of this earth and you give them to whomever you please. And God, you are in control of pandemics and you are in control of the economy and you're in control of government and you're in control of all the social division that we see around the world. And we desperately need you to heal us and bring unity among us. God, we understand now so clearly that we are in a storm. Storms don't last forever, but they are inevitable so God, we wanna build well. God, help us to take the next step that we know we need to take by listening to your voice, drowning out all the others, and then actually taking a step of obedience to do what you've told us to do. So God, would you please encourage us? Would you please bring hope into our despair? Would you please strengthen us to do what we know we need to do today by the power of your Spirit? And so now we lift up our voices. We cry out to you, the only one who deserves our recognition, honor, and praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And fellow climbers said together.